When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're lucky enough to get to say goodbye, I would suggest doing that. If you're lucky enough to say I love you, then I would suggest doing that as well. Today is February 1st, 2024, three years ago today, this morning, almost to the minute, I got a call that my father had died. Not brutal, not tragic. He was too young to die in my opinion, but I was, he was 81 years old. I was... I had COVID, so I couldn't be with him right at the end. And he had three or four days where we knew it was the end. And all I could do is FaceTime because back in, in those days, in 21, pre-vaccine, you could not go anywhere with the COVID I had. I think it's some sort of interesting plan that my lack of taste and smell or have it not fully recovered, if at all, brings me back to th that time every day. I tend to text people on their birthdays. I tend to text people on their death days. I was formulating a text to my father this morning, and I was telling him that today the Sports Podcast Awards will be announced. Remind him that we were nominated. Ask him whether or not he voted. I haven't yet gotten a return text in the last three years. In any case, if you're watching... We're back for another month of nothing personal, February 1st, 2024. What is it? Happy death day? Sad death? I don't even know what I say to people. I speak to my sister today, my brother, my stepmother, and we'll reminisce, tell some stories, try to smile, shed a tear or six. I guess that's what you're supposed to do. I'd say I could have a schmear today, Coca. Today is the first day of February. New Year's resolution one is in the books. I have been a vegan since January 1st. I told you I'd do a month vegan and I'm a changed man. Do I miss pizza? Hell yeah. Do I miss a bagel and cream cheese and lox? Hell yeah. How about eggs? French toast? Oi, what about some turkey and brie? There are more things that I missed that I could tell you. I spent 31 days eating nuts and almonds and pumpkin seeds and tofu and beans and corn and chickpeas and vegetables and falafel. Final tally went on the scale this morning. From 143.9, which was a career high on January 4th, 1st, to 134.4. This morning, prior to the show, you can't snack if you're a vegan. I guess you could. I had a little mango yesterday at Metal Arc recording a show that you'll see tomorrow with John Skipper, with Matthew Coca producing. Anyway, New Year's resolution one in the books, on to number two. 
I think I'm going to stay vegan in the house, but go get a burger somewhere out of the house. I think. I love how I feel, though. Collective goal. That's the nothing personal word of the day for February 1st. Of course, we're going to have a regular show, Dad. Collective goal, as in David Rubenstein. I may have mispronounced his name yesterday. I may have said Rubenstein. I have a, I have a cousin, the Rubensteins. I may have called him Rubenstein, but it's actually Rubenstein. David Rubenstein has bought the Orioles, and a bunch has changed in the last 24 hours. And Coca, you'd be pleased to know how I found out about these changes. I was doing an interview on a Baltimore radio station, and the radio station played a clip from yesterday's Nothing Personal and wanted to talk about it, and then said, the host, we have an update. It's not that David Rubenstein is taking over when Peter Angelos croaks. He's taking over Akshav right now. No step transaction. Ah, that sounds like the Mavs deal. Rumored runway that then, you know, how about if I start now? So it turns out that I had a few things wrong. Information. Remember, I don't break news. I'm not an investigative journalist. I talk to you about what is happening, what's being reported. So what is now being reported is that the deal for Rubenstein to buy the Orioles is for $1.725 billion as an enterprise value, which means that the Angelos family is not getting $1.725 million. You take the debt off that number, any other purchase price adjustments, and then you send money to all of the equity holders. And the rumor is that John Angelos and the Angelos family is staying on as a limited partner of Rubenstein, sort of like Cal Ripken and Grant Hill and Mike Bloomberg as a very trusted advisor to David. David's on Twitter, not like Stephen Cohn, but will be soon. He released a statement yesterday. I assume his people have cautioned him that speaking to the press and that is Twitter, prior to your approval, there is zero upside at all. He's acknowledged that he shouldn't be speaking publicly, but he did release a statement which said, I'm grateful to the Angelos family for the opportunity to join the team I've been a fan of my entire life. I look forward to working with all the Orioles owners, players, and staff to build upon the incredible success the team has achieved in recent seasons. David, you'll learn quickly that you will not lean on your limited partners for anything. You will find it to be completely annoying that you have to have board meetings. You'll find it completely annoying when they call you and want an explanation of why you are trading this guy or where the expenses are, when they can get tickets. Can you send them a ball? Their grandson's niece's girlfriend wants to meet one of the players. Trust me, you will not look forward to working with all the Orioles owners. He continues, our collective goal will be to bring a World Series trophy back to the city of Baltimore. Check. Normally save that statement for the opening press conference. No reason to blow it on a Twitter statement. You want to be able to take the microphone and go to page one of the new owner playbook. We are excited to bring a World Series back to its rightful place in this great city of Baltimore. To the fans, I say, we do it for you and can't do it without you. Amen, brother. Of course, you won't benefit at all from a World Series. You won't enjoy it at all. 
when you're holding the trophy, you will certainly thank the fans first because your team president will slip a piece of paper right to you and say, don't forget to thank the fans. But then he kept going. Why? The opportunity for the team to catalyze development around Camden Yards and in downtown Baltimore will provide generations of fans with lifelong memories and create additional economic opportunities for our community. Darn it, David, you had it. I mean, I wouldn't have done any of these statements, but that one, that should have been edited out. What he's talking about is the development that has not yet been agreed to between the Orioles and Baltimore. There is no agreement in place that gives them the right to monetize the development. Call it a ballpark village. Think St. Louis, think Atlanta, think Washington. Think what the Steve Cohn and the Mets are trying to do. Chop shops, casino, all the open park space. Think Jorge Mas in Miami, hotel, retail. It's the new crack cocaine for owners. Ancillary development. Get it in my veins. Get that revenue to me. Help me explain how I can pay a price for an asset that is not worth what I'm paying. Even though one point, <clears throat> even though 1.725 is a little light in my opinion. And I like the fact that no one will look through that statement and realize that the development that you wanna to do to the benefit of fans and memories and community economics, you didn't mention anywhere that it's an economic play for you and your partners. Just remember when you're gonna own a team, if you wanna be one of those almost octogenarians who wants to be cool and hip, try being truthful. It's really hard for people to do in that position because by definition, the position they're in, they assume the rest of you are idiots. That's sort of the default position. As though you won't notice when he doesn't mention that there's economic benefits for him because he's only doing it out of the goodness of his heart. It brings a tear to my eye. My seventh tear of the day is all the economic opportunities for the community. Hold on one second. Yeah, if you think development's gonna happen around Camden Yards that will not be to the benefit of Rubenstein and his crew, I've got a bridge for you. Luckily, John Angelos on the way out had a statement as well, dueling statements. If John Angelos is at the press conference announcing David Rubenstein, let me just put it out there to you right now. If David Rubenstein is so out of it that he allows John Angelos to be at his press conference when he is introduced as owner, then you know he lost a negotiation and he's not gonna be a good owner for you. The purpose of getting out from under the Angeloses on behalf of all Baltimore, people from Baltimore is to not associate yourself with John Angelos or anyone in the Angelos family. It would be like Derek Jeter in his introductory press conference saying, I love you, David Sampson, thank you so much. We appreciate you. You've been so positive for Miami. John said, when I took on the role of chair and CEO of the Orioles, we had the objective of restoring the franchise to elite status. That's funny because what he's doing is MFing his own family. 
He wasn't the chair and CEO. It was his father, Peter Angelos. Is he saying that Peter Angelos screwed it all up? But when I took over, I said, I'm going to restore this team to its rightful place under Eli Jacobs. <laughs> the best part and saddest part and truest part is that Peter Angelos can't read this statement. This relationship with David Rudenstein and the partners validates that we have not only met, but exceeded our goals. I think your fan base may say there are slightly different goals at play, but I could be wrong. John Angelo said, I'm personally committed to helping David and his partners take the franchise to the next level. Well, John, if you are, then when David calls you and says to get to the next level, we're going to ask you to go through the main gate. I've seen this so many times. I know that all of the media in Baltimore, they're all excited. They think that this is all going to happen exactly this way. It's just not, just so you're aware. John Angelos will be shut out so quickly, marginalized so quickly, that he will barely have time to pack his office. I wonder whether Mike McCarthy is packing his office right now. I think he should be. Jerry Jones is something. Jerry Jones, the owner, was asked a question today. I assume Jerry Jones, the GM, realizes that Jerry Jones, the owner, is really putting Jerry Jones, the GM, in a really bad situation. Although Jerry Jones, the GM, has tremendous job security, so it may not matter what situation Jerry Jones, the owner, puts Jerry Jones, the GM, in. But Jerry Jones, the owner, was asked about Bill Belichick yesterday and said, could I work with him? Hell yeah. I know him personally. I like him. No doubt in my mind, we can work together. And left it at that. That puts the dangling and dangling modifier. So I'd like you to picture right now, if you don't mind, Mike McCarthy, off season, maybe with his wife. I don't know if he's married. Maybe with his kids. I don't know if he has kids. Maybe with his friends. Don't know if he has friends. Maybe sitting alone with the fishing rod. Don't know if he's ever alone or fishies. I'd like you to picture Mike McCarthy getting the first text because he didn't hear it live, didn't see it live. But I promise you, friends of his and agents and those close to him said, oh, God, do I have to tell him? Well, let's let him get through what he's doing. Maybe he's going to catch a salmon and or some sort of marlin. Let's let him finish his drink. But I got to tell him. I got to show him. So the first text comes in. Mike McCarthy has no idea. It's a random Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever day yesterday was. It's a random Wednesday. Loving life. Maybe he's at the office getting ready for next year, all excited. And the text comes in. Jerry Jones says he can work with Bill Belichick. It was a damn news alert. Not as bad as the ESPN alert when I got canned, but not ideal. You think Jerry Jones, the owner, was telling all the fans of the Cowboys and everybody that Mike McCarthy, who's got one year left on his deal, who's not getting extended, who puts the lame in lame duck. Hey, Mike, you better not blow first game, first half lead because I could fire you then. And if I don't fire you, you better win week two because I could fire you then. You better be ready for week four. We better start 4-0 or else I could just fire you. You better start off strong in the preseason. Screw it. I'll bring in Belichick then. Belichick didn't get a job this round. There's one opening left. I think Josh Harris has the opening left, Coca. Commanders are the one opening left. Although we've learned that you can hire a coach into a team where there is no opening, but I just don't see that happening with Belichick. But he will be, whether he's 
in TV or whether he's on the couch, whether he's walking around his neighborhood in his hoodie, where he just put duct tape over the Patriots logo. Who knows what he's going to be doing? But clearly, wouldn't it be cool if he drew like a star, a lone star on his Patriots hoodie? I mean, that's funny. Phone call comes in from Jerry, the GM. Hey, can we have lunch? The owner asked me to meet you just to be ready, J-I-C. It's like a backup plan. I love backup plans. Don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of backup plans. I believe that having backup plans for your backup plans is a very strategic, smart way to go. But I also tried to have our owner never have a manager go into the last year of a contract. It creates tension in the locker room. It creates uncertainty in the locker room. And that sort of tension and uncertainty can hurt a team. Now, the Yankees will tell you, we do it every, we never extend a, until contracts are up. I get it. The Yankees have always done that. Not all teams have done that. I would say the Yankees may be the only team who's done that under Steinbrenner and Cashman, where they simply do not extend contracts until they are up. You've seen it with Cashman and Boone, et cetera. So from a Cowboys standpoint, their view is, hey, this is great. Jerry Jones has Mike McCarthy on red alert. Jerry Jones, the GM, has told us we're going all in. That was the news of the day. Not sure what the Cowboys have been doing all these other years, but apparently they're going all in. Players are all excited. Even got to hear from Micah Parsons. You know who that is, their defensive star. I'm 24 years old. I've been in this league three years. I hope we go all in. I hope that we go out and get the players that we're missing because we didn't do that this year. Great. Now the GM has pressure to get players. The coach has pressure to win with these players. The owner has already said we're going all in. Does anyone see a scenario where Mike McCarthy is the coach of the Cowboys all season long? The only scenario is if they do a Ravens where they're just dominant during the regular season and then losing is the number one seed before the Super Bowl. And then he's going to get canned anyway. But I guess he would have made it through the season. Does anyone see a scenario where Mike McCarthy is coaching the Cowboys in 25? Well, I did a wait to see on that a long time ago. And that wait to see is still looking pretty good when we revisit that. The only scenario that Mike McCarthy coaches in 25 that I can think of is not winning the NFC. I think he's got to win the ring. The way Jerry Jones has set this up, why is it necessary to tell us that he can work with Belichick? Why? why? Who's he talking to? You, the fan? Think he's talking to Micah? No. He's talking only to Mike McCarthy. Is that going to motivate him? I'm going to get to the office at 7 a.m., not 7.30 today. I love my workplace surrounding so much. The environment is so calm. Makes me feel good and lets me do my best. And all I have to do is take Advil and it helps my neck when it's so strained from looking over my shoulder every minute of the day. Good luck, Dallas. Did you see the news yesterday about the Jackie Robinson statue? A couple episodes ago, we told you in Wichita, the Jackie Robinson statue was cut at the ankles. I was hopeful it was not a racially motivated crime. We don't know yet. What we do know is what I told you. It's not being recovered. Well, 
I guess some of you who are cynical could say, you were wrong, David, it was recovered. And I would tell you, I'm not so sure it was recovered. I would say it was found burnt. January 31st is Jackie Robinson's birthday. We used to do a bunch of things on Jackie Robinson Day during the season, teaching people and kids and fans his core values. Jackie would have been a buck five yesterday. My guess is he could still outrun a few players in the big leagues. They're looking to arrest the people who took the the statue. They're going to find it. Believe me, they're going to find them. There's been money raised to replace the statue, and I love that it's going to be replaced. I hope that they do not replace it with the same exact statue. I think that there should be a plaque that recognizes this is a newly installed statue because we had a bunch of hooligans, hoodlums, or whoever did it, defacing, stealing, and then burning a statue. How dare you? All right. When we come back, today's Thursday. Every Thursday, we review a movie from our top 100, which means every week I get to watch one of my top 100 over again. And then we're going to give you some details about the PGA Tour announcement and whether or not Red Sox fans should say, oh, I get it. That's why we don't sign anybody. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. Thank you for everything you do and engaging. Please hit subscribe on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. It doesn't cost anything if you're watching this or listening to this. We're live every day, 8 a.m. Eastern, no matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing. We take fewer off days than any show. It's just me and Coca, which is a staggering thing for a show this size, and it's all because of Coca. So shout out to the best producer in the business, Matthew Coca. Uh, Coca, as you know, that was part of our arrangement and agreement. Hold on, just shut the feet off for one second for you not to get that raise that you wanted, that I promised I would do that. All right, just leave it in the shop right now. It's fine. No one's going to be upset. Okay, I will. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson and Matthew Coca coming to you live at 8 a.m. every day. Thank you for being a part of what we do. I review a movie every day. I watch a movie every day. I watched Slumdog Millionaire this week as part of my quest to rewatch every one of my top 100 movies. It's number 25, Dev Patel, Frida Pinto, directed by Danny Boyle. It's 
was the hit of that year. I don't remember what year it was back in the 2000s. It's about, it's a hard watch. It's about somebody who's on a game show who keeps knowing answers to questions and the assumption is he's cheating, but the reality is his life experiences have given the exact answers to these questions and the life he's led has not been easy. There are drugs, gangs, death, poverty, crime, life in the slums is not easy. Dev Patel's character is played by people of different ages. And then Dev Patel becomes the older version of the character. These little kids got to go to awards, Academy Awards, and they were famous for a moment. And much like I am the captain now, back to reality pretty quickly. It doesn't take away from the quality of the movie. Danny Boyle has a career. If you go back and look at his movies, I've loved him. And this is off the top of my head, Coke. I didn't check this before the show. I'm sorry. Train spotting 127 hours, slumdog millionaire. Danny Boyle, if you're on an island and you're lost on an island, he's got a catalog of movies that would keep you entertained and potentially freaked out for quite a long time. If you have not seen it, the scene where Dev Patel and Frida Pinto are reunited, quote unquote, is one of the most emotional, loving scenes you will ever see in a movie. Because if you love someone, you will do anything to find them and to be reunited. Because of course, the greatest love of all is that which is found on the silver screen. I strongly suggest this movie. It deserves to be in the top quarter of the best movies I've ever seen. All right, bring out the random number generator, this great spreadsheet from a fan. Coke is gonna click the box and tell us what movie we'll be watching this week live. We're doing it right now, go, click it. I can't read it. Is that Silence of the Lambs? Oh no, I haven't watched that in so long. Hold on, I'm getting up close. Number 80, Silence of the Lambs. My daughter is going to be a forensic psychologist. It is uh, what Jodie Foster does in that movie. The performance fan, this is great when people think that you're a character. Quick point about people who think that you're a character that you play on screen. I assure you that Anthony Hopkins likes Chianti. He may even like fava beans. He may even like pate. It doesn't mean he likes them together. All right, we'll watch and review Silence of the Lambs. I've not watched that in a really long time. I'm gonna have to watch it during the day and I'm gonna have to watch it with the shades open and the lights on. All right, let's talk about the PGA Tour. We talked briefly I don't remember what show. Was it on this show? Was it on Levitard? Was it on a sporting class that'll be released tomorrow? I'm actually blanking. Coco may tell me, although he may not remember either. You'd have to go back. PJ Tour made a great announcement. Remember we told you Jay Monahan was having these, oh, I may have talked about it on Levitard yesterday, right during the 9.30 call that he was doing that Coco reminded me that the tour is in LA or in California and Jay Monahan was doing talks with players at really early in the morning, telling them about this great announcement that's happening with the strategic sports group 
how they're putting in $3 billion into PGA, creating this new for-profit entity. What does it all actually mean? Because you've read so much about it. I want to break it down into very, very bite-sized chunks for you. A group of people got together. John Henry's one of them. Yes, he is. So is Sam Kennedy, president of the Red Sox. So is Mark Antonazzi, the president of the Brewers. So is LeBron James, because Fenway Sports Group's involved. So is Steve Cohn, Mark Lazary, owners. They got together and they said, listen, let's negotiate a deal here. Let's take PGA private. And what I mean by that is we are going to establish a company. We're going to start a company. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to put in cash. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to put in all the IP associated with your tour. We're going to have players from your tour own part of this new company. The assets of the new company will be the PGA tour, quote unquote. We're going to value the company. We're going to make it up. Let's say that this company's worth $12 billion. Give us 25% of the company. We'll give the players a quarter. And then we will go out and we will compete with live. We will make sure that we stay relevant, continue the revenue from TV broadcasting, continue all of the ways in which the PGA made money, even though it was a not-for-profit, we're now going to become for-profit. Basically, all they did was start a new company. And guess what? Jay Monahan is the CEO of a new company. Do you know when you start a partnership and you say to your partner, hey, what do you bring to the table? Like a marriage. Hey, what are you bringing? Can you help with the deposit to the new house? Hey, we're starting a new business, partner. Are you going to invest money? No, I'm going to invest my intellectual capital. Ah, that'll be worth 1%. Everybody says they're bringing something to the table. The negotiation is what is the value of what you're bringing to the table? I will get a great quote from Tiger Woods that this company, it's all for one and one for all. Ah, that's 2%. I will write you a check for $300 million. Fantastic. We'll take that quarter of 1%. Love it. It's just made up. You make up a valuation. What market are valuations not made up? The capital markets. When you buy a share of Meta, you can't just say to Meta, hey, I'll give you $20 for a share of Meta. How do you feel about that? Meta will say, no, thanks. I'll take $350. I'm making up whatever number they're trading at. There's a market. What's the market to create a new company? Well, you do comps. It's like building a new house and listing it. I'm going to list this new house for $300,000. My next door house went for $100,000. The one next to that one for $50,000. They're the exact same house, but I'm going to say $300,000. I could say whatever I want. The house that you've built and put on the market is only worth what someone will pay for it. But when you're starting a company and you've got investors, it doesn't have to be based on comps. It doesn't have to be based on the house next door. It doesn't have to be based on what the trading number is in a stock exchange. It can be based on, oh, let's have a double-double animal style and decide what the valuation is going to be of this new company. 
of course, you hire investment banks and all these consultants who charge you millions of dollars to give you spreadsheets to tell you what they think the value is as you go out to raise money. And it's poppycock. Don't let bankers tell you otherwise, because I assure you, poppycock it is. So it's pretty exciting if you're the PGA because they still get to take money from the Saudis. Not yet. They still get to merge with Liv. Not yet. What did they actually do here? What was the purpose of it? Give players equity, let them earn equity. I'd like to see the details on that. If you're ranked 100th in the world right now, you're going to get less equity than the player who's ranked 10th. What happens in 10 years when the player's ranked 10th is ranked zero and the 18-year-old who's not ranked at all is ranked second? Do you earn equity? Do you earn out equity? Do you get it as part of like a bonus when you win a tournament? We will give you a quarter of a percent of this company. Does that mean that the ownership of the company, of this PGA Tour Enterprises new entity, are they leaving a certain number of equity percentage points for future golfers? Once you earn out the equity, do you have to sell it? Do you get to keep it if you retire? What if you go to live? Do you sign a document that says, oh, I still have 1% equity. If I go to live, I got to sell it. That's the rule in baseball. If you own a team and then buy another team, you have to sell the team you own. Even if you're an LP. Remember when John Henry had to sell his share of the Yankees when he bought the Marlins, he never got around to it. But when he bought the Red Sox, he certainly had to. All of this is very common but the devil's in the details. I want to see the partnership agreements. I want to see the exact flow of funds. Who's putting in what money when? How much money is going to purses? PGA said we're covered for five years. What does that mean? For the same number of tournaments? With the purses increasing at the same rate or staying the same? Are they flat? What happens if there's a merger with Liv and there aren't five years worth of tournaments? A lot of unanswered questions. Ben Griffin said something to ESPN that made me smile. I felt like it's still a little vague on what we know as players, but ultimately, hopefully, this will help kind of stop the war that seems to be happening between Liv and the PGA Tour. And hopefully, we can gradually get closer and closer to where golf's kind of thriving. Ben I salute you. That's a fantastic quote. It's worth the paper it's printed on because what PGA was doing by getting this infusion of cash from SSG, they were not trying to stop the war between PGA and Liv. They were trying to buy more weapons. Wait to see. I need a few more weapons here, Coco. Nothing personal pick of the day. We are 16 and 18. I had the Kings getting a point and a half from the Heat. The Heat broke their losing streak. We're two games below. I don't know how many units we're losing right now. I need some units back, so I'm going to chase Amy a little bit today. I am acknowledging to all of you that I'm chasing Amy as we head into tomorrow, Friday, where I get to make all the Super Bowl picks, all the props, Everything's coming tomorrow. Can't wait. I'll only give you one spoiler alert. I will not be betting the color of the Gatorade. I promise you that. And by the way, the Super Bowl, thank you, Coca, is a week from Sunday. Just cut that out.
I, I, I got confused. I hate the week off in between. 4869. I am definitely chasing Amy as I look forward to all the Super Bowl bets I'm going to be doing. Starting Monday, I'll be adding a prop every day up until Friday when I'll do the game picks and the final prop picks. The one prop that I will not give you at all next week. Don't care what the Gatorade color is at the end of the game. Don't care because I'm more of a coin toss guy. 16 and 18, chasing Amy is taking the Celtics and the Sixers in a money line parlay. It's plus 205. That's why we're doing it. Celtics, I love the game. Sixers, I'm going to need them to win on the road. It's not going to be easy. They don't have Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid felt pressure to come back. We did all that segment about the 65 game. Now you're hearing it from everywhere in the media. Coco, we've been really good. Someone actually from Metalar called me on this, that nothing personal has been covering things prior to them being covered or else. And they're covering them like at the next day in the same way in which we're doing it with the same ideas. The 65 game Adam Silver, I told you it needed to be tweaked. Now there's all this talk about, hey, how are we going to tweak it? Well, I told you how. If you're injured for five or more games, then it doesn't count as a missed game for all NBA or MVP. But Embiid didn't like everyone saying, oh, he's missing games. So now he came back early, got hurt, then a different knee got hurt, same knee, different knee, different way, MRI, oh God. It's a nightmare. The opposite of what Adam Silver wants is hurt players coming back early. You want players playing who aren't hurt. That's the only point of load management. Being tired is no excuse. Come home earlier. Get some sleep. We're also going to take the Knicks over the Pacers. The Knicks have a problem. My Knicks. God, I used to love the Knicks. Hard. I mean, I haven't loved them since 1999 once I got into sports. My fandom just disappeared. And uh, I'm happy the Knicks are good again this year. There are people now dreaming of their first title since 1973. I wouldn't dare to dream it, won't dare to dream it. Of course, they're going to win another championship one of these years. They have to. Although, plenty of people were born and died when the Cubs hadn't won or the Red Sox hadn't won. So I guess there could, in theory, be people born in 1974 who could die or who have passed away, unfortunately, early, or who could die in 2054 at age of 80, and the Knicks will not have won a title. Can you imagine if the Knicks don't win a title between now and 2054? But let me give you something that will really depress you. 2054, that's 30 years from now. What was 30 years ago? Tell me, tell me, tell me. Yeah, John Starks, Patrick Ewing, 1994 NBA Finals. We were this close, this close to a title. It's been 30 years since then. Yeah, we got close to 99, I would say. Not really. Yeah, pretty close. Finals is an eight seed, just like what the Heat did this past year. Knicks minus four over the Pacers. Celtics, Sixers, money line parlay. Okay. Big news out this morning for those fans of F1 or free agency, or for those people who don't know that drivers in F1 make Otani level money. Lewis Hamilton is leaving Mercedes. This is epic. Lewis Hamilton is the most famous driver on the grid. Some people say it's Verstappen. Maybe it is because of how dominant Verstappen's been. 
and how Lewis Hamilton has not won a race since 2021. So maybe Verstappen's overtaken Hamilton. Verstappen makes more money than Otani. Present value. Otani got 700 for 10. I think Verstappen only makes 50 a year. Lewis Hamilton has a contract with Mercedes that calls for him to be able to opt out of the contract. You're welcome from baseball. After this year, Drive to Survive on Netflix is thinking about what would be the best way to continue great attention. Well, we learned a lot about TV yesterday. F1 announced that Michael Andretti and his group who had invested millions of dollars trying to get an expansion team in F1 will not be given a team. And the reason that was given is that, hey, we'd be helping your Q rating better than you helping our Q rating. That moment of honesty made me smile. But when it comes to Lewis Hamilton, Netflix and F1 were saying, we love you, man. Let's get it out there immediately. That Lewis Hamilton is switching teams because that is going to give so much interest to Netflix and to make sure that Drive to Survive continues and continues and continues because we like their money. F1 gets money from Drive to Survive. Yes, shocking but true. So Lewis Hamilton to Ferrari. Hmm. There must be a Ferrari driver whose contract runs out after 2024 also. Oh yeah, there is. And his name isn't CL. His initials are not Leclerc. I was just watching this thinking to myself, free agency anywhere is what everybody wants. Players fought for it. You go to court, you form a union. Your goal is free agency. Your goal is choice. Baseball, you only have 30 teams to choose from. If you are a mechanic, you've got scores of garages to choose from. You don't have a contract, you're a free agent every year. If you're an at-will employee, right now, you're a free agent. Go sign somewhere else. Go work somewhere else. Go build a talent. Go be irreplaceable. And you can do it anywhere. The more money you start making, the more people who are giving you the money want you to stay longer at the place where you're doing what you're doing because they've invested all this money in you and they want to be the beneficiary of that investment. The thing about F1 is that the investment should be more in the car than the driver. And this take is going to upset some people in F1 and certain agents of certain drivers. Did Lewis Hamilton become a bad driver when Mercedes got lapped by the other car manufacturers? Was Lewis Hamilton that good when Mercedes had triple lapped all the other car manufacturers? Does the combination of being a really good driver in a really good car lead to being on the podium more than you're not? I think Pablo Torre would enjoy finding this out. And I think what he'd find out is the correlation between car and driver is not as direct as you might think. Now, I couldn't get into a Ferrari car and win an F1 race. So I'm only taking from the subset of those drivers who are already major league drivers. Professionals, the cream de la crap. So does it mean that Lewis Hamilton going to Ferrari, Ferrari, 
They're overtaking Red Bull. They've got this. Hamilton is back winning races. I'd like to see what the investment is in the, in the Ferrari cars. But I do have a small wait to see I'd like to give you. Wait to see when I tell you something's going to happen. If it does, great. If it doesn't, fine. We will revisit it, I promise you. Hamilton to Ferrari, you don't pay Hamilton if you're Ferrari unless you are sure that your cars are the cars that will be PCs in 2025. Podium cars. Lewis Hamilton will be a winner again in 2025 on the circuit. I can't tell you which race that would be amazing, but he will win a race in 2025 as a driver for Ferrari. Wait to see. All right. I want to end our show here with one minute of excitement. February is generally, I started the show on a sad note. I'm going to end the show on a happy note. February is always the calendar of hope and renewal, not just because it's my birthday month, but because February means baseball. February means spring training. When you're in a place that's cold as hell, you know that you're going to see video of players and the crack of the bat and the sound of the ball hitting the glove, and you're going to get it within a matter of weeks. And this year, games start earlier than ever. Not just spring training games, I'm talking regular season, March 20th in Seoul with Otani taking on the Padres. I used to love February 1st. Now I associate it with sadness, but it used to be my favorite because it meant it was spring. Spring was happening. Renewal. There is nothing like it. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your February and call someone you love and tell them you do while you can. It's just business. Yeah, that's a terrible segue. This is a terrible dismount, Coca. So I'll just say, see you tomorrow. This has been Nothing Personal. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.